So 2,000 years ago, Jesus preached the most famous sermon that he would ever preach. It was called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus stood on a mountaintop and he began to preach to thousands of people about the kingdom of God, about what he was looking for in those who wanted to follow him. He began to talk about a life that, that we could live, a life free of hatred, a life free of bitterness, that we could love our enemies, that we could turn the other cheek, that we could go the extra mile. He began to talk about how to live a joyful life, the recipe to happiness. But then he went into an entire part of his sermon talking specifically about worry, about worry, about anxiety, about stress. Why would Jesus, who wanted to preach a message about the kingdom, take a huge portion of his sermon just to focus on worry? And I'll tell you why. Because worry messes with everybody. Worry and anxiety and stress are just enemies of everybody. Like the devil loves to stir up worry. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, whether you follow Jesus or not, worry and anxiety, they come knocking on the door of our heart almost every day. So Jesus had a lot to say about it. And I want us to go to Matthew chapter six, if you have your Bible. Yeah, you can make some noise. We get excited about the word of God. Matthew six, verse 25, he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. I tell you, do not worry. Let's say that together. Do not worry. Put your hand on your head. Say, do not worry. Put your hand on your heart. Do not worry. How many of y'all need to practice this message already? You're like, man, I have been worried about the future. I've been worried about money. I've been stressed about a job. I've been stressed about a promotion. I've been stressed about a relationship. Some of you singles in the room, you're stressed on whether or not you're gonna find the one. You came to Tulsa to get your MRS degree and he's still not here yet. You don't know where he is. You're like, ring by spring. It is springtime, please. God, what's going to happen? Where's my man? Where's my girl? Some of you are stressed and worried about many things and Jesus has a message for you. And don't get mad at the messenger. I'm just relaying what he says. He says, do not worry. He says, don't worry about anything. And I don't know about you, but I watched Lion King growing up. And I remember Timon and Pumbaa, they had a song. Akuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. Akuna Matata, ain't no passing. Is that how it goes? It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's a philosophy. Akuna Matata, Akuna Matata, Akuna. You're like, I didn't come to listen to you sing The Lion King. What I'm trying to tell you today is this. There is a way to live without worry. You say, I don't think so. I really don't think so, Paul. There's not a way. Like, it's always going to be a part. It doesn't have to be a part of your everyday life. Jesus says, you don't have to worry. You have a choice. Like, worry is not forced upon you. Stress is not forced upon Are there things to be concerned about in your life? Yes. I love what one person said about worry, and it's so true. He said, 40% of what you worry about will never happen, statistically speaking. 40% of what you worry about will never happen. 30% of your worries concern old decisions that you cannot even change. Like, it's already, you've already done it. You can't even change it. You're worried about something that's already in the past. 12% of your worries concern criticism that comes from people who, are, who feel inferior to you. 
You're worried about what they think about you because of the criticism they've given you, which is mostly untrue. 10% of your worries is related to your health, which actually worsens your health as you're worrying about your health. And only 8% is actually legitimate, real things that you need to concern about. And in order to confront the 8% that's actually legitimate to be concerned about, you have to meet it head on without worry, with a clear conscience, with faith, with courage, with peace. So there's really no need to worry. Everybody say there's no need to worry. Now, right now in our time, in our society, there's a lot of things that we could be worried about. I don't know about you, but I watch the news and I look at the news on Twitter, and I look at the news on my iPhone, and every time I pull up the news, it's just so many negative stories, so many bad things that are happening. And, and there's things that we should be praying for, people we should be praying for. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be aware of what's going on, but if we're not guarding our heart, it stirs up fear. Like in the last month, I opened up you know, the news on my phone. It says, this plane crashed, 737s are under investigation. Um, don't get on the plane. And I'm like reading this as I'm getting on a plane to go on a mission trip to Dominican Republic with a bunch of people. And I'm checking, is this a 737? And you know, I'm thinking about it. And then we start experiencing turbulence on the plane. And you could just feel the fear in this plane. As we were flying this last week, we took a team by the way, church, we took a team of 200 plus people from this ministry on missions trips for spring break to Guatemala and Dominican Republic. God showed up, people got saved, people got healed. Incredible testimonies. Don't miss next week. We're gonna have an incredible recap and testimonies about it. You don't wanna miss. It's gonna be a revival service next weekend. But I, I gotta tell you, while I was on the plane flying there, I was starting to worry. <laughs> the turbulence started to shake. The plane was going like this. And I saw people looking around and they were like, you know, freaking out. This guy behind me, he's like, I don't fly much. What's, hell, what's going on right now? I, I, I never fly. Do you fly? I was like, yeah, I fly, but I'm also concerned right now too, you know? <laughs> so we're all, I'm like, let's pray in Jesus' name. So I'm praying and, and I'm standing there and, you know, um, it, it was scary. It only lasted two minutes, but it felt like hours. And, and I know what it's like to be afraid. I know what it's like to worry. In fact, while we were on the missions trip, we brought our five-year-old son because we wanted him to experience missions. We wanted him to be thankful for what he has here in this amazing country. And so we took him there and we were in very um, impoverished places where we were ministering. He was passing out food and he was ministering. When you bring a five-year-old, you get all the five-year-old experiences with them. And, and so there was, you know, um, he was uncomfortable. It was inconvenient. We had to share, you know, a tiny small space right there. The, the, there was no hot water. So he's screaming and crying. And, but it was good. We were learning and growing together and on one day he was right there beside me and Ashley and I turned to start talking to someone and I turn around 30 seconds later and he's gone and when your child goes missing in another country it's a whole new level of worry that you start to experience and so I turned I started asking teammates I said have you guys seen Liam because there was many people on her I said have you seen my son Liam no 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 I haven't seen him. then I found someone he said yeah I saw Liam he went off with a guy I was about to go Liam Neeson taken on whoever this dude was. I was gonna bust down doors and find my son and rescue him. I was like, where is this guy? Who is this guy? They said, don't worry, he's on our team. That made me even more frustrated. I was like, someone on our team took my son? Yeah, they're going to look for lizards. I was like, oh my goodness. Where is he? So, you know, they point me in the direction. I go and find him. And the guy was really sorry. I, you know, I said, I, I love you, sir. 
but don't you ever take our child without asking. He said, I told someone to tell your wife. I said, don't ever do that again. I love you, but no, this is not okay. And so I found Liam and I told Liam, don't go off with people, you know, but it was a moment where worry was trying to grip my heart. Have you ever felt worried about something that just really concerned you? Yeah. So Jesus says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't your life more than food? Isn't your body more than clothes? And then he says, look at the birds. Look at the birds. I love how Jesus says, look at the birds. And I just imagine the people who were sitting there listening to Jesus, they were like, why should we look at the birds? He says, I want you to pay, I love looking at the birds. I love seeing the birds at sunset in Tulsa, Oklahoma, flying in the sky. I love seeing birds when I'm outside. I love seeing the beautiful birds at the zoo, those parrots and those pretty colors. How many of y'all like looking at the birds? You know what I'm talking about? And so um, Jesus says, pay attention to these birds. Aren't they beautiful? Aren't they so joyful? They have no cares in the world. And they're taken care of, they're fed, they're clothed, they have everything they need. They don't sow, they don't reap, and yet they have what they need because your Father in heaven takes care of the birds and isn't your life more valuable than the birds? Turn to someone next to you and say, you are valuable. You are valuable. Does anyone have a $20 bill that I could borrow? I'll give it back to you, I promise. I'll get, you're like, exactly, the preacher wants my money. No, I promise I'll give it back to you. Does anyone? Hey, thank you so much. Come on, James, yes. Um, so imagine that I took this $20 bill and you're gonna get it back. You're gonna get it back. And let's say I crumple it up. And let's say I pass it off to be used for something and then it gets used for something else and before we know it, it starts getting used for dirty things. Passed between dirty hands and then somehow it travels back through all kinds of different places and ends up at Quick Trip and you buy something and you get it back. Would you still take this $20 bill? Is it still valuable? Even after all the stuff that it's been through, does it still have worth? Are you sure? Like it's still, it's still worth something. But what if I like spit on it? I'm not gonna spit on it. And what if I said, you loser, you're worthless, you're a failure, you disappointed me. How many would still take the $20 bill? You're like, yep. And yet some of you in this room, you've been called many things. Many things have happened in your life, things that are bad and dirty, things that you've done, things that others have done to you, and you question, you think, God can't, he can't forgive me, he can't protect me, I've messed up too much, I've been used and abused, I've thought dirty thoughts, I've said things I shouldn't say, and yet God says, you are still valuable. You are still valuable. You still have worth. You are more valuable than the birds. And I take care of the birds. And the birds get in some dirty stuff. Those chickens especially. And I'm going to take care of you. So don't you worry. Thank you so much. Here's your... No, no, no. <laughs> I, I've... No. Who needs, who needs some help this morning? No, I feel like we need to bless you this morning. That's from him. Come on, that's the church being the church. Everybody say, you're valuable. Oftentimes, we don't trust that God cares about us because we feel like either, one, that he's not real or that he's not there. There's a lot of Christian atheists in the room. They profess God on Sunday, but they live as if God doesn't exist Monday through Saturday. They're like, well, God's not gonna take care of me. He's not giving me a job. 
He's not going to show up for, yeah, I, I sing the songs on Sunday. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you. But then on Monday, it's like, I'm not praying. I'm not asking God for help. God's not going to show up. I'm, I'm stressed. My job's got a lot of pressure. As a student, I don't know if there's a job at the end of my senior year. I don't know if I'll ever find a spouse. And God's saying, don't worry. I've got your back. I care about you. You're more valuable than the birds, and I take care of the birds. And then he doesn't stop there. He says, I got more for you people that are stressed. He says, listen, why do you worry about your clothes? Now, I know some of you in the room, you're like, I don't worry about my clothes, Paul. I don't worry about fashion. But Jesus isn't talking about fashion. He's talking about anything that causes you to stress. Why do you worry about your job? Why do you worry about your future? Why do you worry about your kids? He says this. He says, look at the flowers of the field. Now he's talking about flowers. See how they grow. They don't labor or spin or toil. And I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God takes care of the flowers and the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, how much more will he take care of you, O ye of little faith? You see, the opposite of worry is not peace. The opposite of worry is not tranquility. The opposite of worry is faith. Worry at the core is fear. It's fear. What if I don't get a job? What if they fire me? What if she leaves me? What if he walks out on me? What if they cheat on me? What if this happens? What if something happens to my kids? What if I get on the airplane and it crashes? What if I get in the car and I get in an accident? Fear and worry stir so, people, stir so much up on the inside of us. Some of us won't even go outside. Some of us are afraid to go into public places. Some of us, we're afraid to do certain things. We're afraid to, to try anything because we're afraid that we might fail or we're afraid that something bad might happen. And what stirs up the worry? Why are you worried? Why are you stressed? I think oftentimes it's busy lifestyle. We're so busy, busy, busy. We're always on our phones. We're always doing stuff, checking stuff. We're so busy. We're in church and we can't even sit still. We have an unquieted soul. We don't even know how to be peaceful. We don't even know how to sit still without our hands doing something. Video games, social media, you know, all of this stuff. And I get it, you know, my mind, I, I, I like to run fast. I like to get multiple things done. I'm a multitasker. And yet at the same time, if I'm gonna live an unworried life, I've gotta calm myself down. This is why my dad used to put his hand on my head and he would say, peaceful Paul. And I'd be like, ah. You know, I was like Ren and Stimpy times 20. I was crazy, <laughs> you know? And he was like, peaceful Paul. He was speaking it over me. And I learned as I got older that if I'm going to experience peace, that I have to have faith that God's going to take care of me. I remember my senior year in college, the housing collapse happened in 2008. Uh, our university almost closed down because it was so far in debt. People started telling all the students, your degree is not going to count for anything at Oral Roberts University. And there was a transition of presidents. There was a transition of the board. There was a transition of the entire, you know, uh, leadership of, of, of the university. And people were saying, you need to transfer to this university, transfer to this college. And at the time, I had also gone to college because I wanted to find my wife. I wanted to find the one. It was my senior year, and I still hadn't found her. And I was starting to worry. It was towards the end of the senior year. I was thinking, is my degree going to count? Am I going to find my spouse? And all of these things, and I remember again just taking time to sit down and be still. Sit down and be quiet. What has you so worried? For some of you, maybe it's guilt, shame. You're worried about being caught. You're worried about being found out. You're worried about past decisions you made that you regret, and you're worried what's gonna happen in my future. For some, you're worried because of offense that you've been carrying. 
anger that you've been holding on to. Unbelief, at the end of the day, the ultimate reason that we worry is we don't trust God. We don't trust that God loves us. We don't trust that God can forgive us. We think we've messed up too bad for him to deliver us from that legal situation, from that battle, from the mess we've got ourselves in. We don't, we don't trust that God's gonna protect our kids. We don't trust that God's gonna provide for us at the end of the month a job, an opportunity, a promotion. And I'm here to tell you today that we serve a God in heaven who knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows your address. He knows your name. He loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. He has your back. He's looking out for your best interest. He cares more about your life than you do. He cares more about your kids than you do. He cares more about your marriage than you do. He cares about you. And if we can get that deep in our hearts, we will live without Worry, I think there's three things that have to happen in our life if we're gonna cure the worry in our hearts. And by the way, worry is the cause of so much sickness and disease in people's lives. In fact, I was reading this earlier that, that worry has uh, caused 25 million Americans to have high blood pressure every year due to stress and anxiety. One million people develop high blood pressure every year because of, high, uh, because of worry and stress. Eight million people have stomach ulcers every week. 112 million people take medication for worry-related symptoms. What are we worried about and how are we gonna change it? How are we gonna change it? Number one, we've gotta change our devotion. Before Jesus talks about worry, he starts talking about your devotion. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. This is verse 19 in Sermon on the Mount, chapter six. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Your treasure drives your heart. Your devotion drives your emotion. Whatever you're devoted to, it's going to stir up your emotions. If you're devoted to your kids, it's gonna stir up all kinds of emotions. If you're devoted to your business, your money, it's gonna stir up all kinds of emotions. If you're devoted to your career, your hobby, it's going to stir up all kinds of emotions. But when you're devoted to God, God says, I will take care of all of these things. If you seek first the kingdom of God, I'm gonna add the job to your life. I'm gonna bring the spouse into your life. I'm going to take care of the dreams in your heart. But where your devotion is, that will drive where your emotions go. I remember this friend of mine, he, he's no longer here. His family never went to church here. They, they lived in Tulsa for a season. And we would hang out together. And we would go to Star World movie theater sometimes, go see movies. We would go to basketball games, football games. And every now and then, this happened multiple times, I would look out and I would see this person, especially this one time at Star World, I saw this person behind the bushes with binoculars. And I said, is that your mom? And he was like, yes. <laughs> he said, she follows me everywhere. She doesn't trust me. I said, bro, you're 15. He said, I know. She's worried I'm gonna die while I'm at the theater. She's concerned, she's stressed, she's always worried about me. He said, she stalks me, she does, she stalks me. At football games, she brings the binoculars, she hides it, like far away behind the bushes. Some of y'all are not laughing because you're feeling convicted right now. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> but at some, and listen, I'm a concerned parent too. I got three little boys, you know, and, and, and there's, there's things that, but at some point we have to learn to trust that God cares about our kids more than we do, that God cares about our future more than we do, that God cares about your, your dreams and your whatever it is that your gifts, your talents, your hobbies, God wants to see you experience an abundant life. John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. 
The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the ways he does that, one of the ways is through worry, stress, and anxiety. If he can get you worried, he's, he's in no hurry to take out your life if he can get a hold of your mind. If he can stir up anxiety in your thoughts, stress. This is why we have to get our devotion back on God. I remember um, one of my friends in college, he's actually here in this service, Chad King. Chad, would you just stand up and wave your hand so everyone can see you and they know this is a true story. Uh, Chad and Stacy over here. Chad went to college with me at ORU and I remember us playing basketball and he um, began to tell me a little bit about what he was dealing with. He was stressed his senior year. He said, Paul, the housing market has collapsed. It's, there's like hardly any jobs and I don't know if I'm gonna have a job. And, and he had graduated and he still hadn't gotten a job. And he said, I, I don't know what to do. I also moved here from Oregon and, and I was hoping that I would find a wife and no one, you know, nothing worked out during my four years of college and no relationships uh, really worked out. And, and I don't wanna go back home, but maybe I'm gonna have to go back home. And I'm, I'm like $90,000 in debt. Is that right? Uh, how many thousands of dollars? What? $105,000 in debt. He said, I'm gonna be paying off school loans the rest of my life. And I remember this moment, it was emotional. I said, Chad, let's pray. He began getting involved in church. He started serving. He started serving as an usher, as a greeter. Started volunteering. He started tithing and giving off of whatever little he had. I remember this man came to me in church. He said, I need to hire some college students. Do you know anyone who needs a job? I said, sure do. He said, I, you know, it's gonna be a starting salary at this level. But if they'll take this job, they can work their way up and they can earn more. I told Chad about it. He said, you think I should take it? I said, I think this is your only option right now. I think you should take it. And he, Chad took the job. He began working his way up. He started to grow in the company. God started blessing him, giving him more opportunity, making him a supervisor of more employees. God started raising his salary. As he was serving in the church, God introduced him to a girl. The matchmakers, Paul and Ashley Doherty, connected him to Stacy. I'm just kidding. God made it happen, match made in heaven. Chad and Stacy had moved here from Maryland. She had moved here and she was working in the admissions office at ORU. And she was the same thing. She was believing God that she was gonna meet the right guy, that God was gonna provide her with a job. As they were serving God, they made God their devotion. See what I'm saying? They changed their devotion. Instead of searching for a relationship, they were searching, they were pursuing the kingdom of God. They made God their devotion. They stopped worrying about a job and it all started to come into play. They got married, they had a kid, and just a few weeks ago, they paid off all their student loans at age 31, right? 31 years, they thought they were gonna be paying it off in their 80s and 90s, and here they are, debt-free. Come on, Jesus! He's an on-time God. Won't he do it? Turn to someone next to you and say, won't he do it? See, Jesus cares about you. How many are believing for something to happen in your life? You need a job. You need to pay off some student loans. You need to pay off some debt. You need to get uh, 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 delivered from some situations. You need favor with the judge, favor in some legal situations. Today is your day to displace worry off the throne of your heart and get faith back in God to say, God, you're on my side. You're for me. You're not against me. I'm making you my devotion. And Lord, I'm going to let you drive my emotions. Lord, I'm going to trust you with all of my heart and lean not to my own understanding. I remember going on this missions trip. In 2012, our, our, our young adults went to Mexico, Oaxaca, Mexico, and our team, they flew on ahead of me, 
and I was flying by myself. And my wife was with the team and I, I um, for some reason, I, I had to stay back and do some things at the church and I was flying out later. And I got to Mexico City and they canceled all the flights to this city. And so they said, there's not gonna be another flight for two days. Well, I was supposed to preach at the Bible college graduation. We had a Victory Bible College down in, in the southern part of Mexico in Oaxaca. And, um, and so I said, I've gotta get down there. The, 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 the thing is tonight, the graduation, I gotta get down there. They said, well, there is one airlines that can get you to a city that's close to it and you'll drive there, but you're gonna have to pay $400. Now, I could not speak very much Spanish. They were like, um, you know, they were trying to talk me in Spanish. I was like, poquito espanol, poquito, small, very small Spanish. And they were looking at me like I was Spanglishing my way through this. And they said, you know, but this girl came and she could speak a little bit of English. She said, what is your name? I said, Pablo, Pablo, Pablo Dorty. And she said, Pablo, I'm going to help you. And her name was Alejandra. She said, you know, I'm gonna, we're going to call someone because I didn't even have money to pay for a ticket. I had forgotten to bring all that stuff. She said, we're going to call someone, get the credit card number, buy you a ticket on this other airlines. It's all going to be okay. She said, where's your luggage? I said, I don't know. <laughs> it was on the last flight. And she said, it's lost in Mexico City. I said, where do you put lost luggage? She said, there's a warehouse outside the airport with thousands of bags. That's where your bag is. <laughs> I said, I said I, but... I need to get that. That's all I have for the trip. She said, well, let's get your ticket first. So we got my ticket. She said, we're going to go outside customs. Your flight leaves in 40 minutes. We're going to just hope and pray. She said, you're a Christian. I said, yes. I said, let's pray that God's going to get you your bag. You're going to get on this flight and you're going to get to Oaxaca to preach at this place. She was a Christian too. So we went down there to this warehouse and no joke, thousands of suitcases that have been lost for years. Probably some of your suitcases that got lost <laughs> are stored in this warehouse in Mexico City. And she said, you know, where is it? I said, I don't know. So we started digging through suitcases and she said, there's someone who thinks he knows where your suitcase might be because we couldn't find it. And he's coming to help us right now. She said, this person, he is the guy to make things happen. If anyone can make it happen, it's this guy. I kid you not, this guy comes walking through. His name tag says, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. He says, hola, Pablo. Mi nombre es Jesús. I am here to help you. I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesús. Gracias, Jesús. Gracias. And Jesús got my suitcase. True story. We got through the customs, got on the airplane. Jesús walked me to my seat. He says, I'm always here for you. I said, thank you, Jesus. I think Jesus was there. So I get there. We preached the, the crusade. God ministers to the people, family members who had come to celebrate their students getting graduated. They were unsaved. They got saved that night. God showed up. But then a tropical storm started forming right there on the coast where we were staying. Just We were like 100 yards from the ocean. The tropical storm turned into a Category 3 hurricane. And it came all upon our team. For three days, it flooded the entire place, six feet of water. So our team had to move into an upper part of a hotel. We were all bunking together. And the bats from that entire area, the bats had flown underneath the rooms. There was thousands of bats, like, all around the rooms, hiding from the, the hurricane. It was crazy. And so I was like, God, what's happening? Every bad thing that could happen is happening. 
But God used what the devil meant for harm for good. We became the disaster relief team for Oaxaca. We began to rebuild villages. When the hurricane left, we had more ministry than we knew what to do with. We had a whole new itinerary. We started leading more and more people to Christ. We started rebuilding homes, rebuilding churches. We were cleaning up the hurricane debris. What I'm trying to tell you is some of you have experienced a storm in your life. Some of you are walking through a difficulty. What the devil is trying to bring to knock you out, God is sending his son, Jesus, to come and show up on your behalf. And he's going to get you through it. He's going to get you out of it. He's going to provide for you. He's going to use you as a testimony, as the disaster relief team to help other people who've walked through the same problem, the same struggle, the same difficulty. Somebody say, won't he do it? Now, I thought the trip was over. We were driving back home. We had a long bus ride on a one-way road to the airport. And the airport we were flying out of was different than the city. We, we had a 10-hour bus ride. And as we were driving back home, there was a rebel militia group that had formed a blockade in the street because they were trying to stop the government. And they had backed up all of these cars. They had machetes and machine guns. They had fire on the road. You should go on missions trips. It's awesome. <laughs> this doesn't normally happen. This was like one specific moment. It doesn't happen like this, but we were backed up. They start walking down the street searching for Americans and they've got their guns and they got their machetes. And so our team is on the bus and we're ducking down and we're praying. There's about 30 of us and we're worshiping. We're asking God, Lord, please show up. God, do a miracle. And, and for two and a half hours, we were backed up on this road in Mexico, on the southern part of Mexico, between Oaxaca and Mexico City. We're backed up there on this road. These guys are there. As we start worshiping and praying, all of a sudden the blockade dissolves. These guys start running into the jungle. The government had shown up to stop what they were doing the cars, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. But what is your devotion? And secondly, change your focus, change your focus. If we're going to displace worry, we've got to change our focus. So number one, change your devotion. Number two, change your focus. Jesus says in Matthew six, verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You say, what does that have to do with focus? Jesus is saying where your eyes are at, what you're focusing on will drive what's happening on the inside of your heart. Maybe the reason why you're so stressed is because you watch so much stressful news. It's because you focus on so many negative things on your phone. You're consuming so much information that's not positive. It's about this president, this government, this plane crash, this ship went down, these kids got this, this happened to them, this shooter came in here, and it's stirring up so much worry and anxiety. And Jesus says, get your eyes fixed on that which is true, that which is light. I'm not saying that we should live unaware of what's going on in our world. But I'm saying if we're so worried and stressed, we've got to change our focus. We've got to stop focusing on the negative things. Stop feeding your mind negative things and start feeding your spirit positive things. Paul said this in Philippians 4, verse 6 through 8. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, bring your prayers and your supplications before God. Here's how we displace anxiety and worry. We stop focusing on the problem and we start praying the problem out to God. And he says, now fix your thoughts on that which is true, that which is praiseworthy, that which is pure, that which brings hope and glory to God. So fix your thoughts on what is true. There was a man who worked in the railroad um, uh, 
cart area uh, where they would load and unload stuff off railroad carts. His name was Nick, and one night he was uh, unloading some stuff off a refrigerated cart when the door shut behind him and closed and locked him in the refrigerated cart. He began to bang on the door, screaming. His, his men that had been working with him, their shift had just ended. They were going home, and they would not be coming back until the next day. Now, the next day, they would be required to go and check all the carts. So if he could survive 24 hours, then they would be able to rescue him because they would be coming back the next day. But he began to think to himself, this refrigerated cart, it's, it's below freezing. It's, I'm going to freeze to death. He started fixing his thoughts on all of these fearful thoughts. He started convincing himself, I'm never going to get out of here. I'm going to die in this refrigerated cart. I am going to die here, and I'll never make it out. And he found a piece of cardboard on the refrigerated cart and a pen. And he began to write his death sentence. He began to write what he wanted to say to his family when they found him dead. He said, I'm dying tonight. This will be my last night here on earth. I want my son to know that I love him. And I'm sorry that I went like this. I want my wife to know that I love her. He wrote his, his, his note. The next morning, they found him dead. He was frozen to death on this refrigerated cart. Now, here's the interesting thing. It was 63 degrees when they checked the temperature on the cart. 63 degrees is easy to survive, and there was plenty of oxygen. Some of you like to sleep in 63 degrees in your house. The wife keeps on trying to turn it up to the heat, and you keep bringing it down to the cold. How many of y'all can relate to that? Yeah, I like it cold in our house. But he had convinced himself that it was much colder than it actually was. Medical scientists have proven that your thoughts can actually create a false reality that your body believes is true. Your thoughts have the power to create a reality that's actually not true. And if you believe I'm going to die, you can send your body into um, hysteria, like mass, like so much fear that you actually believe what you're thinking, even though it's not true. That's what happened to this man. We've got to get in control of our thoughts if we're going to displace worry and fear. We've got to get control of what we're consuming. We've got to fix our focus on that which is true. I want the keys to come up. I want you to think about this. What are you focusing on right now that's stirring up tension, stress, fear, anxiety? What are you looking at? What are you consuming? What are you focusing your attention on that you need to just shift this week and say, you know what? I'm not going to consume any news this week. I'm going to take a break from looking at all the negative stuff. And I'm going to just try this message that Paul's saying came from Jesus. And I'm going to fix my focus. My eyes are going to be full of light this week. And I'm going to see if it changes my emotions. I'm going to see if it changes my attitude. You know, when you're worried, you have a lot more um, uh, moments where you blow up on people. You're, you're short-fused. When you're stressed, people are walking on pins and needles around you. When you're a stressed person, you're not a fun person to be around. You're missing out on the joy. There was a man in the 1800s, he was a comedian. His name was Joey Grimaldi, a famous comedian. This was during a time where there was no TV, no social media, no pictures, just names on posters, inviting people to go and see the comedian Joey Grimaldi. But he had gotten so worried that his jokes were not gonna keep working, that his, his tour was somehow going to die down, that he was gonna run out of material. And after six months of touring around and telling the same jokes, he was afraid that people were gonna stop laughing. And his devotion was so tied to their applause. His focus was so tied to his career that it was stirring up so much worry and anxiety. And he, he wrote in his, his memoirs that I had aged. I looked twice as old as I actually was. I looked so much older than my, my actual age was. His wife was concerned for him. He said, she said, you are so stressed. 
You are so anxious. You're constantly worried. You're not even fun to be around. You're supposed to be a comedian. But at home, you're so, you're so depressed. You're so discouraged. You're constantly questioning whether people are actually laughing at your jokes. And she said, you need to go see a doctor in the next town that you're doing you know, comedy in. So he went to go see a doctor and, and he told the doctor what was going on. And he, he said, I just feel worried. I feel stressed. And the doctor said, how old are you? And he told him how old he was. And the doctor said, whoa, you, you look twice your age. You've been aging way too fast. The doctor said, you need to do something. You, you need to go see this comedian who's in town. You need to laugh. You need some, med- no joke. You need to laugh. You need some medicine. You need to go see um, Joey Grimaldi. He's coming in town to do, and the guy said, I am Joey Grimaldi. See, so many people, they're so stressed, they're aging faster than they should. Jesus has a cure for your worry. If you'll fix your focus, not on the problem, not on whether you're going to get a job or whether you're going to get married or whether you're going to get a promotion or whether God's going to give you enough money, but if you'll fix your focus, here's what we fix our focus on ultimately, trusting in God, trusting in God. You do your part, you trust God to do his part. You do as much as you can and whatever you can, whatever is out of your control, you trust in God. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 7, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, verse 7, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Here's my third point right here, last point. Change your pursuit. Change your pursuit. So number one, change your devotion. Number two, change your focus. Number three, change your pursuit. If you want to get rid of worry and stress and anxiety, change what you've been pursuing. Jesus said, you can ask me. You can search for me and you'll find me. You can knock on the door of joy and it will be open to you. You can knock on the door of peace and it will be open to you. But you've got to stop pursuing pleasure and money and fame and the image of what people think about you and whether or not you're going to get this job or this promotion or, or, or graduate or your kids are going to be known for something or whether or not your kids are going to be, you know, the best at something. Jesus says, change your pursuit. Look for me and you'll find me. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, that you would give him a stone? Or if, if your daughter asks for a fish, that you'll give her a rattlesnake? If you, as, as fathers on um, earth, if you are not evil and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God wants to give you the kingdom. God wants to give you joy. God wants to give you peace. God wants to give you hope. God wants you to give, God wants to give you laughter. God wants to take care of all of your needs, but you've got to change your pursuit. In 2013, I was on a missions trip with my mother and my wife and we were overseas and someone sent me a picture this morning of a time lapse, a a picture of of something that popped up on their timeline from six years ago on March 24th, 2013. They sent it to me and when I saw the picture, it was my mom and me, I think we have it. Immediately when I got it this morning at like 8 a.m., all these emotions started stirring up because I remember exactly what was going on in this moment. I know why we were praying. I know what we were praying for. I know how I felt in this picture. I had to preach that morning and so did she at different churches. But we weren't praying about what we were preaching for. There was something much deeper, something that was knocking on the door of my heart, so much worry and anxiety and stress, something that was beyond my control. 
something that I was asking God to intervene, to show up, to give favor, to do something, to do something miraculous. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And my mom could feel the tension that I was going through. She saw me and she walked over and she just took my hand and she just began to pray. My mom is a prayer warrior. How many are thankful for Pastor Sharon Doherty? And she just began to pray for me. And man, as she began to pray, this peace just came over me. And I didn't know what the future held for what we were praying for. But all of a sudden, I just felt like God's gonna work it out. I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds our future. And he's got the whole world in his hands. It's gonna be okay. And she finished praying and I just felt this peace. The problems didn't disappear. I want you to know this. God did not promise us a problem-free life, but he did promise that we don't have to worry about the problems of life, that we don't have to stress. I remember when I first took, by the way, the situation, God showed up, intervened, and, and it was incredible what God did. But uh, I remember when I stepped in as pastor of Victory, the first year I was so worried. After every sermon, I just beat myself up. No one's coming back next week, you know? And I was thinking, I'm gonna, this is gonna be terrible. It's never gonna work and I'm bad and, you know? And I was worried and stressed and people would tell me, you know, here's, here's what's going on in the church. Here's the financial report. And I would just, oh, I just had this roller coaster of emotions every time I looked at the report. How are we gonna, what's gonna happen? How are we gonna make it? And here we are four years later and God's faithful and he's been so good and he's provided for us and he's protected us and he's delivered us and no weapon formed against us shall prosper and any tongue that rises against us cannot stand. God's got you, he's got you. I know you're worried right now, I know you're stressed. You say, Paul, you don't know my problem. You don't know what I'm dealing with. My son might go to jail. I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know what's gonna happen in my marriage. Paul, he's gonna leave me. I don't know what's gonna, I don't know what you're worried about. But I know this, every single category that you could be worried about, there is a testimony in this room of God showing up for mothers and fathers and singles and college students and Christian school students and public school students and homeschool students, single parent moms and single parent dads and grandmas and grandpas and people who've been divorced, multiple. God shows up for anyone who asks, he will find for anyone who seeks, for anyone who knocks on the door, it will be open to you. How much does your Father in Heaven care about you? You are valuable. I sat with this woman this last week. She's, she's the uh, Director of Education. And my wife and I, we had the chance to minister to different you know, politicians and leaders this last week in Dominican Republic on our missions trip. And she's been getting death threats because she's a traditional woman. She's trying to keep Christianity in the public schools in Dominican. She oversees multiple schools and teachers and superintendents and principals, and many of them are trying to turn their schools liberal. They're saying, you know, this is what America's doing in public schools. We gotta teach this. We gotta stop teaching this Christian stuff. And she's trying to hold on to it, and, and she's fighting a tough battle. And her job is on the line, and she's stressed, and she's a very strong woman. She's very stern. And the pastor told me she does not like wasting time. She's serious, Paul, so don't waste time. I hope you have something good to say. And I said, okay, no pressure, you know. He said, just say something nice, pray for her, and then leave. But I just couldn't, I couldn't shake what I felt God was saying. And I went into the office, and she's sitting there behind this desk, and she's twice my age. But I heard God say, 
to start prophesying over her. I said, I want you to know that God's on your side. He's fighting for you. He's not against you. He's with you. And she's keeping this stern face. And then I heard God say, remind her about Moses. I said, you know the story of Moses? She said, yes. I said, did you know God told Moses, I'm going before you and behind you, and the Egyptians will not be able to stop you, and that I am going to um, take down your enemies, and that I am going to fight your battles, and you'll have a cloud uh, during the day and fire by night, and I'm going to guide you and lead you, and every step of the way, God's going to give you favor, and all of a sudden, she starts to break. I said, God is with you. God is going before you. He's got your back. He's going to take care of those threats that have been coming against your family, against your life. And all of a sudden, she just starts weeping and breaking down. And the pastor's like, keep going, keep going, keep going. So I just start prophesying. By the end of it, she said, will you pray? And we just begin to pray. You could just feel the worry, the stress from her job, the tension she had been carrying. It was just dissolving. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Peter says, cast your cares upon the Lord, your anxieties, because he cares for you. I think about the time when the disciples were on the boat, Mark chapter 4, and all of a sudden the storm came on the boat. And they're on this boat in the middle of the storm, and Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat. And the disciples are going through the worst storm of their life. I mean, there's lightning, there's thunder, the waves are rocking, and they're not sure if they're going to make it. They're like, we're not going to get out of this. And they went and woke up. Jesus said, Jesus, don't you care? We're drowning. We're drowning. You've got to save us. Don't you even care about our lives? And I love what Jesus said. He gets up and he says, why are you afraid? Why are you worried? Oh, ye of little faith. And he rebukes the wind and he rebukes the waves. And he says, peace, be still. And the storm calmed. And they made it to the other side and smooth sailing. Sometimes we go through things that don't make sense. Sometimes things happen. Sometimes we're in seasons where the worry is just at an all-time high. And we're wondering, am I going to make it? Am I going to be a good dad? Am I, am I, is our marriage going to be okay? Is our kids going to be okay? Is my son, is he going to make it? Am I going to survive this sickness? Am I going to get through? And I'm here to tell you today, I have a word from the Lord for you. Do not worry. Do not worry. God is fighting for you. God is on your side. He's with you. He's for you. He's on the boat. Even in the storm, he's on the boat. Whatever the situation is, and you're going to make it. I want you to stand your feet all over this place. The presence of God is here right now. So many stories come to mind about worry. So many moments, and I'm sure you could think of them too in your life. But I want us just to bow our heads and close our eyes because I believe some of you right now, you're at a crossroads in this season. Whether you will choose to keep worrying or whether you will just release it to God and say, Lord, I'm gonna trust in you. Lord, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust in you. Lord, I'm not sure, but I'm choosing to put my confidence in you. Some of you right now, you feel like you got yourself into this mess and you're wondering if God can get you out. He's a good, good father. His mercy triumphs over his judgment. 
Today, if you'll repent, if you'll surrender, God wants to give you mercy. Some of you, you've done all the right things. You've worked hard. You've shown up on time. You've done everything you know to do. You've sent in the application to college. You've been trying everything you know to do in, in the natural, and, and yet things haven't turned around, and you've been waiting, wondering, is God going to show up? And I want to tell you today, He's a good, good Father. It may not happen when you want it or the way you want it, but it's going to be right on time. Hebrews 13, he says, I will not fail you. I will not fail you. I will not fail you. The God of angel armies is on your side. He's fighting for you. He's going before you and behind you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've been battling worry, stress, anxiety, I want you to lift your hand because today we're going to get rid of it. Today we're going to bring it to the altar. You don't have to keep living with that worry. You don't have to keep living with that stress. You don't have to keep living with that anxiety today is your day to get free in Jesus name if you raised your hand or wanted to raise your hand I want you to leave your seat come down to this altar right now we're gonna begin to worship because worship displaces worry worship displaces worry instead of worrying we're gonna worship our way through it we're gonna worship we're gonna trust in the God who saves we're gonna trust in the God who heals we're gonna trust in the God who redeems we're gonna trust in the one who can calm the storms we're gonna trust in the one who can provide when there seems to be no way who can open up doors that seem to be closed we're gonna trust in him let's worship him all over this place